You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, episode 44. This week, we're visiting the best songs of 1980. Let's go back to a time where things got bloody at Camp Crystal Lake. All work and no play made Jack a dull boy. Stryker had a drinking problem. Carl hunted gophers. Emmeline grew up. Luke met his dad. Captain Chaos went racing. But and Sissy went dancing. And a miracle happened on ice. Just pick up your Rubik's Cube and head over to your host, Rob Heitman, and the man who actually shot JR, Jacob <laughs> Newkirk. Hey, Jake, what's going on, man? Not much. <laughs> Just getting away with murder, apparently. Yes, yes, evidently. Not anymore. You were caught. <laughs> Busted. Go get them, Flash. And, get, and get, I was born get. in 1980, so that's some beat. <laughs> the three month old murderer. I know it. <laughs> that's how you get away with it. They're all tricky. I see mm. those little ones. All right. I'd like to thank everybody who's been active and joining in on our conversations on Facebook page with a special shout out to Bill McLean, Alex Hannon, Troy Smith, and Gina Collins. Thank you for being active and thank you everybody for being active in this whole voting season. It's been really kind of cool. Yeah. Looking back to 1980, the TV shows debuted, included Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks hmm. and the other guy who became famous, <laughs> uh, Magnum P.I. Movies included the, the Shining, Airplane, Caddyshack, Empire Strikes Back, Cannonball Run, Blue Lagoon, Urban Cowboy, Friday the 13th ton of great movies that Please, year. brother. Yep. My cousin was actually an extra. She was one of the girls running out of the, the bathroom. Anyway. In Blues Brothers? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's my favorite movie. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Big <laughs> events that year while well, John Lennon was murdered. Reagan was elected and The Miracle on Ice, where the U.S. amateur team beat the Soviet professional team. USA. Yeah. Anything stand out to you from that? Yeah, a little bit. Like I said, I was born in 1980, so I had to grow up a little bit before I was starting to pay attention to what was going on. Right, but when you paid attention, uh, any of those your favorite movies or any... Blues Brothers is my all-time favorite movie. Yeah, okay. Um, but I didn't discover that until I was more like six to eight years old around there. You're usually the but, one-year-old crowd. Is who's gonna yeah, I was a little behind there. <laughs> I wasn't uh, that aware when I was pooping my, my diapers. Nope. You, you were looking at Cookie Monster and the That's electric right. company, yeah, the <laughs> Romper Room, and all well, that was one thing. And we're drinking today. As every day. Every day. <laughs> this cool looking bottle, it's from Rogue Spirits. It's called Dead Guy Whiskey, and it's made with the same malt as Dead Guy Ale. And it's kind of interesting, this is aged in oak barrels for at least two years on the ocean. No way. That's yeah. so funny, because I was it's looking ocean, at a, yeah. a Bebmo ad the other day, and I was laughing to rachel saying like look this one is aged in like that what do they just put on a boat and send out to that's exactly what they do like, yeah. do you taste it though is it like salt water in here well, take a taste take a taste <laughs> well i did but, but think salt when you taste it. no this time okay you can mm. you can almost taste it now that you said it yeah i didn't i didn't know that you know what i get it's a uh, caramel yeah it's a little sweeter than than i thought but like you said before when we kind of did a pre-taste it's got scotch vibes all over it yeah and on the nose, too, it was just different than what you'd expect. It's an American single malt. There's a little smokiness to it, and I almost feel like I'm having like some cornflakes with it. Hmm. Getting a little of that in there, and maybe a touch of honey and something else. Maybe like a touch of pineapple or something. But it tastes great. I'm only tasting these things after you say them. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, and the, it has a nice finish. And yeah, it's, it's a little nutty in the finish. Mm, it's it's definitely different. Yeah, it's almost I tastes, like it. The salt comes out, I think, more in the finish. Anyway, this isn't a bourbon podcast or a whiskey <laughs> podcast in this case. We're talking about in the 80s. This is 1980. I can't believe we're going all the way through. We're, we're here. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing specific songs from 1980. And we'll share under 20 seconds of each tune 
Unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, then we may do a second clip. We've made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to all of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to each artist. We've also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. And also look for the link to our YouTube playlist as well, because sometimes music sounds better when you see it. And this is pre-MTV at this point. But there mm -hmm. are some videos that are associated with some of these songs. Mm -hmm. And there's also live concert yeah. footage. We have a special treat today coming after we go through our first half of the podcast. I'm going to play something from one of our listeners who suggested something for next season that we didn't do. And I think it's going to be kind of fun to listen to what her suggestion was. Uh, her name's Lori. Uh -huh. And we're going to be listening to that in a little bit. <laughs> 1980 was a long time ago. Yeah, a long was... time ago. 40, 40 years, huh? Man crazy yeah it is <laughs> anyway we won't be political on the show <laughs> so jake what's your song or note? what's going on well this one might be kind of political i went with a dead kennedy song i'm a big fan of dead kennedy's this wasn't my my favorite album i like plastic surgery disasters is my favorite one but fresh fruit for rotting vegetables is also a good one and the song i picked was california uber alice kind of political because he talks about oh. jerry brown okay who we had as governor again later on I like this version better anyway than the give me convenience album it's kind of faster and darker it's a fun tune if you like dead candies it's it's obviously going to be in your playlist sounds good well let's listen to jake's song of note california uber allies uber alice oh i must be speaking there german on this one i was waiting for you to there, kick in. we are going to be listening to the dead kennedys <laughs> california uber alice yep yep all right, so you listen, get ready, here we go. Interesting, I didn't remember until I heard it, mm -hmm. and I'm like, Gavin Newsom's actually on that track. <laughs> Mentioned or singing? <laughs> they were singing about him. They just yeah. didn't realize it. It applies to any California governor, Bradley. Jello Biafra wrote it that way for fill in the blank. So let's jump into my nuttiness. This song that I'm going to be talking about here, for my song of note, is one of these songs that stood out so much for me because it was so different. A lot of big drums. There's some Middle Eastern flair. There's some flute in it. And I didn't realize this was actually from a play soundtrack. It's by a guy named Murray Head. The name of the song is One Night in Bangkok. Oh. And it was from the play Chess, which was big in the UK. And I didn't know that, but I, I saw the video. And I always thought it was Satan walking through Thailand sort of thing. Almost like the screw tape letters. Oh, yeah. Definitely a disco feel. And there's definitely a little bit of rap. I love the mix of feel a devil walking next to me. See an angel walking next to me. It's between the two. It's the right and left fighting. And they have some kind of double entendres. He goes, I would invite you, but the queens we use would not excite you. Talking kind of about the chess match, it's, it was about, the whole play is about a chess match between the U.S. and Russia, USSR oh. at the time. And they were having this battle in Bangkok. And Bangkok is known for a lot of other things. And so it was kind of rolling in there. This hit actually at number three in the U.S. So I had a thought of actually putting it on my list. In the list, yeah. But I didn't. It, it is a known song, but I didn't know all that that you had to say about it. Yeah, no. it's what actually Murray had only had one other hit, 
and that was in 1971. He was in the cast of Jesus Christ Superstar, hmm. and he played Judas, and that hit his album hit number 14 for that. But other than that, he's just a stage guy who ended up having a big hit. And wow. There we go. Here's One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head, my song of note. Anyway, that's it. You know, you know who wrote that song? Uh-huh. Even though Murray had sang it, Tim Rice. For, that- he did like "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" from The Lion King uh, okay. and all that. He's like big pl- play music guy. All right, and he like Aida on Broadway and a whole bunch of things like that. Yeah, it's a good tune. I didn't realize it till hearing it again. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's like mm-hmm. one of those you just like want to listen to the whole bass thing. In there, yeah, it's, it's good. It's crazy. It's different from everything else. Yeah. So. Anyway, let's jump right in. What is your number 12? Number 12. Okay. I went with a Bob Marley tune off that Uprising album. I picked Could You Be Loved. Thank goodness. It's a super catchy tune. Why do you say thank goodness? I didn't want the same. It's a generic answer. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to go with the generic one. I wanted to go with the song that I like. So this album and Exodus are my favorite Bob Marley albums. But I think w- what I like about those albums, the songs that stand out to me are the ones that have like the clavinet or the organ really makes a song for me and gives it that kind of funky bob this song is a good example of that yep. it was the first reggae song to get airplay yeah in the u.s to hit, yeah yeah marley so. definitely broke down that that barrier yeah no doubt let's listen to could you be loved by bob marley from 1980 here's jake's number 12 So yeah, Bob Marley, excellent choice as your number 12. My number 12 is going to be something you will love to hear. You will love this song. You're so excited. Mm. I can't imagine how happy you are to hear this next song. I sense some sarcasm. Yes. It's one of the most important disco songs ever. (laughs) And it's the first rap song ever to be played over an original recording. The person who sang it really wasn't a rapper, per se. She was big in the space. The name of the person I'm talking about is Blondie. Debbie Harry. On her album, Auto-American. And the song is called Rapture, which I know Jake loves. How'd you know I didn't like Blondie? I I think we talked about that. We talked about that before. And how can you not like, you know, some deep thought of the man from Mars stopped eating cars and now he only eats guitars. Oh my God. Can't believe this was put to print. But no, it was great because all of the rap, you think of like Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, just phonetically things that kind of... Yeah, it was all new. It was emerging. And and she used to hang out in that scene. She used to be like by Fab Five Freddy and Mm. go to like these rap battles in in the middle of the city and just to see their... Not compete, obviously. But she was just there. And hey, yeah, a lot of rappers actually said this is the first rap song they ever heard Hmm. because it wasn't airplay. In terms of exposure, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> There's actually a guitar solo in this, which is which is really odd. I remember the. Isn't there a weird video for this too? Just yeah. bizarre. I mean, they all were, I guess, at this time. Anyway, let's talk to Jeb, Debbie Harry on this. <laughs> we're not going to talk to. Her. We're just yeah. going to play something. Here we go. I really had never really written a rap, and I I wasn't uh, I wasn't an experienced rapper. 
and it was so exciting. It really was part of that tradition of, you know, something new and something strange. And wow, this is really that nobody does this. This is really wild, and this is great, and it's very underground and it's very hip. It was just kind of funny. It's like. Hey, I was really hip, and I'm so cool, and I can't believe I did this. It's so amazing, yeah. yeah. It's just kind of so unique, I think. Any other thoughts? And I know you probably have thoughts on this one. None none positive, so. Well, that's okay. <laughs> no, really, it felt like such a, a joke. Not a joke on purpose. I think she was really trying and thinking it sounded good, but it just, it's it's not very believable. So watching it, I'm just like, man, I can't people let her get away with this we're also looking at it from now yeah yeah, yeah. totally there was no rap at the time yeah so all brand new to what she was but saying even actually. yeah and it's that thing too of like lyrically it's just uh silly too yeah but, there's a line right before they start coming into the rap that sounds like finger effing if you look at the lyric sheets it'll say finger popping but that's not what it's saying oh i never even noticed that. yeah so it's like right before that so maybe we'll play that not for you and be but but for uh <laughs> for jake yeah and that's saying and you can always listen to it and i think we're gonna play part of the rap for you guys just because that was the unique part of the song really and uh jake loves the rap part so much if, if there was one part he loves that's the rap one he loves <laughs> so let's listen to my number 12 rapture by blondie <laughs> back i had to play the ff part for bleep. the bleep for him and that went over the air people didn't catch what that said because she was singing it so smoothly and so nicely yeah i didn't notice it till you pointed out right now <laughs> such poetry and that's <laughs> if you understand the spirituality behind no, <laughs> you write a thesis on this one. <laughs> let's discuss the deeper meanings. We're having a class on Blondie's rapture. Yeah. When you eat cars, what does that symbolize? But then you eat bars, and they have guitars in the bars. So what does that mean? And you eat hmm. some more cars. I think she's talking about the social construct of capitalism. No, anyway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, let's jump right into my number 11. Another wacky song. Uh, I remember buying this album on 45 and i actually have the album for this i think and playing it on turntable in my room i love the whip sounds mm. it's by a band called devo it's from the freedom of choice album which i love the entire album actually but i went with the biggest hit off of it which was whip it yeah 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 whip it yeah <laughs> check out those hats Oh, they're cool. You can stack one inside the other. They like have all different colors, you know. It's like you can wear one one day and then another the other day. And like you put them on your head, you know. And it's like they can protect you from like harmful rays. Beavis, you're a damn weirdo. Shut up, buddy. I'm not from here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was this was like geek chic before geek chic even yeah. was anything right the bass line <laughs> was great and uh, very repetitive but great and they actually i didn't realize that there was dueling vocals in that because they mm -hmm. have the same sort of attack with their voice the reason they made this video in the first place if you see the video it's kind of weird yeah. first they whip a cigarette out of the mouth which is something you've seen clothes. forever and then they start stripping this girl down with the web which is kind of s&m type of thing uh -huh. then there's like some cross-eyed Asian woman in it. 
it's like really Some cowboys yeah and the cowboys mm. sitting there drinking watching the whole mm. thing and it's kind of weird because it was about a poem by horatio alger and like you're number one and there's nobody else like you you have a problem you can just whip it that sort of thing that's what it was really about mm. but they kind of played the snm type of angle they were going to put it out on laser disc oh my god because that was the new thing that was going to come and with those hats they were called what are they called uh, energy dome energy dome did yeah. i say that before? my, my yeah. old roommate used to have one yeah. he would just wear it and did he stack <laughs> them and have them in different colors because yeah. <laughs> it was all just one piece are you have something to say about whip it yet well it's on my list but okay. it's, it's okay. not 11 i mean it's a synth pop classic right probably a huge part in the development of all that the new wave sound lyrics don't make much sense nor does the video but everyone knows it and it's it gets stuck in your head. Even kids today have heard this song somehow. I think one standout section to me, though, is in the chorus, how it's just disorienting, how the keys are just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows how Devo was just intentionally being different and weird and pushing that boundary and not trying to be commercial, but they ended up kind of getting that way. But anyway, let's listen to my number 11 and Jake's song on this <laughs> list somewhere to be determined to be determined whip it by devo from freedom of choice which is an amazing album A lot of people don't know that that song, you know how they have the speaker of the house? Mm-hmm. The minority in the house is called the minority whip. And this was actually written about Nancy Pelosi at that time. You <laughs> had me going for a second. No, I'm kidding. Uh, obviously. <laughs> Although she was probably still in Congress at that yeah. point. She was only going on her 20th year back yeah, then. Yeah, she was much younger. <laughs> so anyway, Jake, what is your number 11? Buddy? I went with a Steely Dan song. Really? A19. Really? Yeah, Steely Dan, really? Yeah, I was going to say, because I don't love everything that Steely Dan does. I don't put them on like a high pedestal, but when there are songs I like of them, I really, really am into them. Because they make some seriously smooth jams, and this is one of them. When it kind of kicks in, we have a little glass of whiskey here. It just kind of seems to fit into that vibe for me. Okay, I get it. We have friends who are like huge Steely Dan fans. I don't get it to that degree, but I can appreciate them. And this is a good song, Hey 19. I it's one of the three off of that album that you can maybe talk about. Mm-hmm. Steely Dan wasn't for me. I, I always kind of put me to sleep. Yeah, yeah like I said, they, I, mean, I don't get excited by it, but it's kind of um, the, the few songs I like, I really love. And if you step back and you just focus on the musicianship and you just focus on mm-hmm. the playing, it's really good. Yeah, and, but vocally and they the, suck, I think. I mean, I yeah. might get Lynch for saying that, but there's a lot of things I'm like, they're not as great as the people put them up to be, but I still like Yeah, them. they put them as this like, exemplar of musical yeah. perfection. And I don't know how they got there. but I didn't grow up at this point, too. I was, I was like nine. I'm not quite at zero, but... Mm-hmm. Well, at that age, you're not into these sexy, smooth jams, you know? You yeah. Wanna, I was into uh, Blondie's Rapture and Whip It. <laughs> Let's listen to Jake's number 11. Yeah. Hey, and 19. Note. <laughs> so For good. Steely Dan. All right, let's listen. <laughs> you put a question mark in there? <laughs> yeah, you got to, right? <laughs> I was remembering why I wasn't a Steely Dan fan. <laughs> I just realized at that time in my career, mm-hmm. I was not on heroin. 
and sound like I was on heroin. Oh, that must be it. That would make that vibe kind of <laughs> jazzy and feel up. Or some uh, quaaludes. Yeah, it's it's sort of like you have the feel and like that hard thrash rock of say the Grateful Dead. Thrash. <laughs> Comparatively. <laughs> No, no, no. And I know people are going to hate me for this. And this is the one yeah. that we're going to get the comments on. But Steely Dan, just go away. Thanks. <laughs> I know you guys can play and that's nice and all, but you got to play music that I'm not going to fall asleep yeah. to. No, and I agree with you a, a lot. If you wanted to get the vibe, you want to have some good instrumental players and play like the music of Air Supply, but not as fast, <laughs> then that's what Steely Dan is to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't argue. Oh, gosh. It's always good to have a little bit of conflict in this, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of times we're like, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But I mean, stealing that. No, on. I agree. Yeah. No, no, I know. Jake, what's your number 10? Hopefully number it's 10 better than your number was 11. was Whip It, so we were really oh, close good. to that. Okay. Yeah. okay, that's good. Yeah. That's a good choice. <laughs> so let's move from your number 10, which is a good number 10, which was Whip It, to my number 10, which is a metal band, Judas Priest, mm-hmm. off of British Steel, which is a great album by them. With the simplest hook, this song was called Breaking the Law. There's no guitar solo actually on the song. And Beavis and Butthead always used to sing this whenever they would do something that was illegal. Yeah. They, breaking the breaking, law. Breaking the law. In fact, hold on a second. Of course you have it queued up. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> the video for this was really cool, too. They had the... Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they were like breaking into the bank, trying to steal their platinum yeah. album for British Steel or oh something my like God. that. The worst part is the, <laughs> the cardboard guitars they're playing, uh-huh. and one of them is a flying B, but it's backwards. I wasn't looking that close. Oh my God. That. I was yep. like, this is... And they're sitting there playing this. What? They're in a car, right? They're like getting away, and he's playing this cardboard guitar, and the flying B, the points are going this way. Yeah. No one thought, oh, maybe this isn't the, an exact... Well, and once again, this wasn't MTV time. Right. This was like a little thing that we're going to play at their concert, yeah. or have a little... If I was them, up. I would erase that from history. <laughs> oh, come on, the security guard was just dancing and doing like, like <laughs> goofy dance. And, oh, it's just crazy. It was ranked number 40 on VH1's 40 Greatest Metal Songs list, so it just made their list, really. That's it. Let's listen to Breaking the Law, my number 10 by Judas Priest. Everyone relates to that. Yeah. A little angst. Yes. <laughs> from one awesome song from a British metal band to an album called The Game by Queen. And this is actually their biggest disco song, if there was one. It's another one, Bites the Dust by Queen, my number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good bass line. It's amazing at how many of Queen's songs kind of fit all sporting events. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. I know. It's kind of like, we are the champions and all the other ones. I just love his passion and his delivery, no matter what song it is. Freddie Mercury is amazing. I love the funky guitar in this, but it's definitely a bass song. The bass player wrote the song. Big surprise. There are no synthesizers on this song, which was actually surprising to me. Because the drum track and the hand claps were both looped. Mm. Like physically, art, you know, analog loops. Yeah. 
where they like wrap it around chairs and stuff. It's a great tune. I remember when this came out, another album I think I bought, but on a 45. And back then that was a big purchase for me. 45s. And 45s for you kids out there who don't know. And by kids, I say anybody who was born after 1980, like Jake here. <laughs> 45s were these albums that you'd put on your turntable, but you'd have to put this little circle thing in the middle mm-hmm. so that it would fit. <laughs> or else it would just do like a wobbly and thing. And if you lost that thing, you're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> Queen was, was just playing around with it, and they played it in like soundcheck. And Michael Jackson actually came up to him and goes, you have to release oh, that's that. That's right. Yeah, I read that. So they decided to, and it was a huge hit for them. Anyway, any thoughts on another one? Bites the Dust, although Weird Al did Another One Rides the Bus, which you may be more familiar with, I think. No, not not the Weird Al fan, but... He's wearing song. a Weird Al shirt right, right now. now. yeah. <laughs> he called me out. It, it didn't make my list, but I'm glad you threw it on. And we're going to be doing Queen next season, so that's going to be kind of fun. We'll really start digging into this, and this will be... The funny thing about this is it's not on Jake's list here, but it'll be his number one song overall. I can tell. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to another one, Bites the Dust by Queen, off of the game album, my number nine. Uh, that's a good song. That is a good one. And those powerful vocals too. It's all smooth and then he just And then he just it. gets so emotional and you can feel yeah. it. Like, no matter what he's singing, he gets, he's singing a disco song almost here. And it's you feel that emotion in yep. it. And I don't think many other people who were singing that sort of thing. Like when I was listening to YMCA, I didn't really hear the emotion <laughs> in there. <all> just, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm thinking of other like disco songs or, you know, whatever. Totally, yeah. So. Yeah, he just, he had that ability. Let's go to number nine for Jake. My nine. What's what's your number nine, Jake? I went with a band called Motorhead. Oh, nice. The song is Ace of Spades off of Ace of Spades. It's on my list. I figured it would be. This one I kind of threw around up and down the list and just kind of landed at nine. Because I never was huge into Motorhead, but can totally get behind the band and their sound approach. They're very rock and roll, but very metal punk and aggro it's what music would sound like if you just chain smoke cigarettes and drink whiskey and did speed didn't worry about singing i for for me i was never a big motorhead fan yeah. either but really this song is just so good yeah it's you can't deny this song everyone knows this song and it was so powerful that's why it's a little higher on my list the chorus is massive I love the stop and the starting that ends mm-hmm. and don't forget the Joker and, and then it goes yeah. into the guitar solo and, and, and it's just his vocal delivery doesn't work <laughs> on 90% of their stuff that I, that I listen to. Agreed, yeah. But this one it does. I don't know if I could hear anybody else sing this song. And this is like one of the only Motorhead songs that I'm like, I love that song. And, and it's so mm-hmm. weird because his vocal is kind of, it, it's grating. Just a little bit obnoxious. <laughs> and he, and he, was, he was talked about later in life and he's like saying, I'm glad we got famous for that song, but I sang Eight of Spades for two years and nobody noticed. <laughs> uh huh. Eight of <laughs> He picked the wrong guy. He was a funny dude. Yeah, yeah. I think what also is good is that his he had that aggressive bass tone too that worked well because like, you know, they were all just maxed total volume, turn all the way up. And it was just that that gritty, like just powerful tone that he had that was just like, Yeah, that's that's motorhead. Yeah, and no. you can hear it right in the intro. He just starts oh, it's so coming good. in with it. So, and I always remember it's called "A Dead Man's Hand," and I always kind of remember that, you know, from like the old west or whatever. 
But I also always remember that the Ace of Spades was the card that Cliff Burton drew the night he got killed. Oh, I didn't know that. They were all yelling about what bunk they wanted to stay in. Mm-hmm. And the upper bunk was the one he everybody wanted for whatever reason. So they drew four cards, mm-hmm. and whoever got the Ace of Spades oh. got the one, and Cliff got it. So it was actually Kirk, who I think was supposed to sleep there. And so he slept somewhere else. Should have been Kirk. And uh, <laughs> there you go. That's what happened. So anyway... Robbie Downer, I was just trying to listen to the 80s podcast and be happy. <laughs> People are dying. <laughs> All right. All right let, let us out. Yeah, there we go. All right. So let's listen to the best Motorhead song ever, Ace of Spades. I just love that song. Yeah. Okay. What's your number eight? My number eight is a band we talked about, Judas Priest, but I have a different song. You probably know what it is. I went with Living After Midnight. Sure. That was this. Yeah. We played Living After Midnight. We did like a dorm room set and we had like the doors open and like everybody drunk in the hall. (laughs) It's just one of those songs. I think it's like that standard where it's just feels good, fun time song. And I'm not the biggest Judas Priest fan, but I do like them. And I think Halford has some of the most impressive vocals ever. But yeah, I think this song might be one of their most known. And this album was a little bit more straight rock, kind of ACDC influence. But this song to me was the highlight of that album. Halford said that he kind of woke up one night and the band was using a house owned by John Lennon and oh, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glenn was started playing guitar yeah. and it woke him up. And he looked at his watch, and he noticed it was way after midnight, and they were living after midnight here, and yeah. what are you doing? It Magic. became a lyric, and it became one of their biggest songs, obviously. So let's listen to some Judas Priest, Living After Midnight, off of British Steel. Okay, it's Living After Midnight. Jake's number eight. Good song, though. Those are the two songs off of British Steel that stood out to yeah, most this people. This one's better, but yeah. Nah. <laughs> I like the solo better, and uh, Living After Midnight has the much better no guitar solo. backwards flying V guitar. Yeah, well, that's the video before there were videos. <laughs> I think this video has MTV. cardboard guitars in it, too. They have to, because, <laughs> because that's what videos were at the time, right? <laughs> it has to look good on Laserdisc. You just have to make sure. <laughs> All right, let's keep the rock thing going as I move to my number eight. That's what we do. There are more non-rock stuff coming. I actually have a country song coming down the road, so just let you know. Yeah, me too. My number eight, love Eddie Van Halen. He was part of the reason I picked up guitar in the first place. He changed guitar in my lifetime. Enough said. Van Halen, if you really want to get into it, episode eight. This is the original Van Halen for this podcast we did. And episode nine was Van Hagar. So if you want to listen to more in depth about Van Halen... Go ahead. This is off of the Women and Children first album. It has that sweeping flange intro. It's called And the Cradle Will mm. Rock, which is the song you had to go with. I almost made my list. Okay. No, I understand. The chorus is great. Uh, the verse kind of adds to the chorus. And have you seen Junior's Great? Yeah, I love that. Uh, solo break. And then just to start again. I love 
This is when Van Halen was at its peak and David Lee Roth, that vibe that he had, the kind of banter. Yeah, such a front man, but he had it. Whatever that it was. Mm. And Eddie's playing was just so raw and hard and just, oh, it's just so good. Yeah. I remember I had VH on my notebooks. Yeah. I, I did. When you write the band logos. Yeah. <laughs> they had a thing on South Park. It was actually kind of cool. They, they had like all these people getting together. And it's like all the religions of the world get together and they put all the symbols. And he says, <laughs> and now thank you for signing this peace accord. And we're all going to step down and put the symbol that we all really care about. And all of a sudden it starts melding together all the symbols of like you know, from all these different religions. Puts together and it's, it's a beach. VH. <laughs> And then Van Halen comes out and starts playing. Oh, I didn't see that. Is yeah. that a recent episode? I don't know. Yeah, I oh. guess so. I, I saw a clip of it. <laughs> South Park is always kind of pushing some edges there. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to my number eight and the correct number eight <laughs> Van Halen and the Cradle Will Rock. I wanted to, I was going to stop earlier, but I was like, I got to hear that one line. Yeah, you need <laughs> the DLR. That's right, right there. I'll tell you, that's some good stuff. I don't care who you are right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, let's get my rock out, and then we'll go to some other like non-rock stuff in a minute. <laughs> my number seven. I have been putting this band on the top of a lot of my lists or close to it. I went with number seven off their album, Permanent Waves, Rush. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of Radio is the song I went with. It's an iconic song, hammer-ons, pull-offs in the intro. The hook carries it. I really just enjoy focusing on bass and drums on this song. It's really just amazing. The arpeggiated chords that kind of drive that verse and the lyrics in the song always spoke to me. You know, echo mm-hmm. with the sounds of salesmen mm-hmm. and I'm all saying, that stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's so good. And Peart was always talking about the radio industry. He loved radio, but it was also against some of the people who are trying to ruin the radio industry. But he also talked about people he toured with, like Kiss, who treated their music like they were salesmen, too. Yeah. We did a Rush podcast. We talked Mm. a lot more in depth about this, and I don't want to rehash all of it. So check that one out. The really interesting thing about Permanent Waves, just a sidebar, and I think I mentioned this in the the podcast. This song was released on January 1st, 1980. This album was released. Oh, right. January 1st, 1980. So this is the first track on the album making it arguably the first song ever released in the 80s, period. Then it's got to be in there. Yeah. So anyway, Spirit of the Radio by Rush. So good. Let's listen. Shatter the illusion of integrity. Some of those lyrics are just amazing. Mm-hmm. And Rush always does that. Just to give you a, a warning, we just finished number seven. As soon as you finish your number seven, we're, we're going to do a halftime and we're going to have a guest speaker <laughs> coming up. So anyway, Jake, what's your number seven? Okay, my number seven. Okay, I mentioned this is my all-time favorite movie. 
Blues oh, Brothers you, oh, soundtrack. You did? Good, good, I did. Good, good, good. Yeah. I thought about I really did. I know. And it's the thing. It's so important, at least to me. I owned a copy of this soundtrack since I was a kid. The scene in the movie is a highlight. Who's in your favorite Blues Brother? Uh, Jake. We have the same name. Yeah, yeah. But Elwood's pretty pretty cool. Elwood's on a mission from God. Yeah, mission from God. <laughs> so I went, everybody needs somebody to love. The song, it just feels good off the bat. The great tempo, great uh, R&B soul song. They didn't write it, obviously, but they made it their own, sang it and danced on stage, and Elwood played harmonica. The scene in the movie is just killer. Oh, the whole, I mean, the Blues Brothers just generally, yeah. I mean, they used to go on tour, but they used to be great, and they'd sell out because... You know, everybody just wants to go see the Blues Brothers. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. They were just fun. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, oh, my God. It was, like I said, when I was a kid, I loved that movie, and it's it's never gotten old. I watch John it And John Belushi anytime. is a, just a genius. Yeah. And, and it's great. And Aykroyd is awesome, too. Yeah. But and Aykroyd has this really cool, complete sidebar. He has these crystal skull vodka that he actually makes. Oh, those are his? Those are his. Yeah. If you see, like, the oh, ones with, like, the skull. I have seen those. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I didn't it's, know that was his uh, It's like brand 45 or... bucks for one. I'm like, yeah. I thought they had little small ones. I mean, oh, they're still oh, a little the, Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But, yeah. Everybody needs somebody to love. Give me some love you could have went with. Or the theme from Rawhide you could have went with. I know, yeah. <laughs> There's it's so much hard good to pick. Stuff on but this album. one, like I said, just when I think of the movie and they're on stage, they finally have like the band together and they're doing the show. And I just love the ones when they're behind the uh, yeah the chicken, the chicken wire yeah. and the, the bottles are getting exploded. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, I love it. Anyway, Everybody Needs Somebody to Love mm-hmm. by the Blues Brothers. This is Jake's number seven. Let's listen. So good. Yep. I remember, like, I suffered through some bad Dan Aykroyd movies that I loved, <laughs> like Dr. Detroit. And you sing the doctor. But I love that. And obviously, John Belushi with Animal House and 1941 and a whole bunch of really good movies that he was really a part of. Yeah, he was great. Anyway, let's take a moment to uh, say how awesome that was. And I'm <laughs> glad you have it on the list. It shouldn't be at number seven, but I, I totally get you. It should be higher. I, I agree. <laughs> but one of our listeners, Lori Reese, we did a vote and we asked, what bands would we do? And I kind of shot her down on this one. So <laughs> I gave her a chance for redemption. And I think she pulled through with a song that I would not be expecting from them. So let's listen to Lori right now. You have the floor, Lori. Hi, this is Lori Reese. I want to thank Rob and Jake for allowing me to talk about one of my very, very favorite groups, Captain and Tennille. <laughs> the song I wanted to address was on their Keeping Our Love Warm album issued out in 1980. And it's Your Good Thing is About to End. It wasn't written by them, but actually written by Isaac Hayes and David Porter um, and recorded for the first time back in 1966. I love this cut because Tony Tennille's vocals, I just really think they're outstanding. Her bluesy sound, um, you really hear her capability on this tune. And I love the horns in the background and the captain is playing just regular blues piano and not a lot of the weird synth stuff that he did on some of their other, other songs. My sister and I, oh my gosh, we know every word to every song that they've recorded and would lip sync it and actually just belt it out as loud as we could together. Great memories I have with my sister. And every time I hear Captain and Tennille, it just makes me happy. I don't know if I'll convince you to 
go re-listen to old albums, but they've brought me great joy over the year. I play their stuff on piano myself, and I hope you'll take a listen to this song and, and enjoy it like I do. I tell you what, wow. if Captain and Tennille would have kept playing that stuff instead of crap like Love Can Keep Us Together, <laughs> that was... Uh, Laurie, I tell you what. I'm blown away. That stuff, I was I was expecting not to like it, and I was mm. expecting... But I tell you what, that was amazing That's stuff. It's a great blues song. Yeah, it's really fun. I had no idea. I had no idea either. And Jake was like... Like, I saw his face before I hit play, and it just started. He's like, oh no, what are we going to suffer yeah, through here? Boom. And a boom. Smooth. And I was like... Oh my gosh, that's amazing. We think of bands a lot for their big hits and their pop hits. What you're exposed to. Right. Captain Tennille, same type of thing. Love will keep us together. Which is a good song. It's okay, but but actually, it's actually in that vibe too, and the more I think about it. And it's probably much better if I actually listen to it than if I have it in my head for the kitsch that I have it in my head as. Totally. But it's probably really good blues, sort of in that vein. And maybe we're just totally wrong on uh, Captain and Tennille. I'll admit it. I think I am. So I may have to, we may have to listen to it before we go any further, before we make any yeah. judgment on one song, just like I'm we would convinced. have made a judgment on the other songs, right? right? Convinced uh, enough to look into this a little more and be like, oh, maybe there's some good content here. Yeah, so Lori, maybe we'll ask you again, maybe for our wrap-up one, maybe you can give us your favorite Captain Antonio song oh, yeah. of all the 80s. I can't, we have to keep it in the 80s, I guess. All right, that was kind of an interesting sort of sidebar, and unexpected Absolutely. kind of jaunt down Captain Antonio land. So, Lori, thank you. Yes, saying, thank saying you. That. All right, Jake, what's your number six? Let's go into the top hat. Oh, wow. Well, it's kind of a weird segue, but let's go into some it, ACDC. Oh. <laughs> Here's a Back in Black album, and I went with You Shook Me All Night Long. Nice. I like ACDC. I'm not the biggest ACDC fan. I prefer the Bon Scott era. But this song is an anthem, a great rock and roll song. I think ACDC is more of a a guitar player band because drums is very kind of straight. Oh, no, no, I get it. But at the same time, it's rock. It's rock and roll, and they do it so well. This song, I don't care who you are, you rock out when this song comes on. No, it's an absolutely great song. And this is the first single by ACDC off the album. And this is the first mm-hmm. single as Brian Johnson, as mm-hmm. the lead singer of ACDC. And it, it's of the transitions that exist from bands yeah. replacing their singer, this has to be probably the most positive one ever. It's totally successful that they yeah. were able to kind of I mean, put maybe a guy you can talk about uh, Sammy Hagar, or you can talk about other things. But oh, good point. Yeah. It's very rare that that goes smoothly. Mm-hmm. And that goes better, you know? Yeah, because the vocalist is, you know, for lack of better terms, the voice of the band. And most people, that's what they tune in on, right? And who away. would have thought that his first album would be one of the biggest albums of all time? For, yeah, for ACDC. Yeah. yeah. Evidently, the song was really big in strip clubs. At least that's what Jake tells me. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a strip stripper song. You shook me all night long. I mean, come on. That and probably some Def Leppard, and that's all yeah. you need. Yeah. And it's all the stuff he loves, so that's good. Uh <laughs> Brian Johnson said it was the first song I ever wrote with the guys. Oh, let me say, it was the very, it was the first song I ever wrote with the guys. <laughs> yeah, it was a really goofy beat, and I won't let, let you goofy. go. 
Groovy, groovy. Oh, I like groovy. Oh. <laughs> it has a very special place in my heart. I love to sing it on stage. To me, it just might be the best rock song ever written, if I do say so myself. Wow. You shook me all night long, and I tell you what, I, this grooves me too. This isn't on my list, but I understand how it could be. So let's listen to a small band <laughs> from Australia, which we start getting a lot on this Although it's kind of interesting, and I mentioned this on another podcast, so I don't want to go too far into it, that they're actually from Scotland. Oh, really? uh, bon Scott, I mean, the Young Brothers were actually moved from Scotland to Australia. Oh, I didn't and know And in Australia, they met each other in Australia, though, mm. and they formed a band there, but they're all Scottish. Is so, it common for uh, Scottish people to head over to Australia? Wow. They went to another English-speaking country, and they were probably arrested for something. <laughs> <laughs> Fit right in. Well, there you go. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know I love Australian bands. Yeah, remember we did in excess the Midnight Oil. We've had like a ton of these bands there, and we're doing Silver, Silver Chair. Chair. Yeah, Silver Chair next season. We're going to be doing, and uh, we just love Australian bands. We had that minute work last podcast, and I love Australian music. I think if I was born in another place, I would be having rise of lights, as Jake would say. <laughs> But the people I've met from Australia are just fun yeah. and just a great time. Anyway, here's You Shook Me All Night Long on a long segment. I don't know why I went there. Uh, this is Jake's we number six do. from ACDC. One of the best albums ever, Back in Black. Let's listen. That's one of my favorite Angus Young solos. It's period. rock and roll. Period. So, You Shook Me All Night Long. Great song. Number six for Jake. So, let's run to my number six. And this is another band that I loved for a while. And I still love. And they had an album called Remaining in Light that year. The band is the Talking Heads. Mm. The bass, keys, and drums get this song, this sort of weird, cool feel. David Byrne's voice. Once in a Lifetime is the song. I love the yeah. juxtaposition between the chords and the verse works so well. Same as it ever was, same as it ever was, same as it ever was. He always plays his voice like an instrument by adding all these delays and effects to it. David Byrne said, most of the words in Once in a Lifetime come from evangelists I recorded off the radio while taking notes and picking up phrases that I thought were interesting directions. And I'm fascinated with a lot of people because it's so different from my life and what I do in the middle class and people. I can't imagine doing that hmm. because you have to imagine that also they go from, you know, nothing to millionaire. It's that big jump over that middle class. This video broke new ground and it was exhibited in the New York Museum of Modern Art as part of an exhibition called Performance Video. It was just very odd, very quirky, as you can expect from the talking heads. That's good. It's good tune. It was the exact one that I had pulled out and was prepared to put it in, but I didn't. So let's listen to Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads, my number six. find yourself like like i'm talking on the phone and you may find yourself just like sitting there and like what the hell's going on and, ah, ah, ah. 
You may find yourself picking I'm... dirt from your toes. And you may find yourself. <laughs> what else? What else? I think we need Mike Judge to join this uh, podcast uh, and just oh, that was do a... that commentary. Yeah. You may find yourself. <laughs> Is that your Hank Hill? Speaking slowly. <laughs> I tell you, I'm drinking beer now, and that's good. Actually, we switched a little bit. We don't want to drink whiskey oh, yeah. all episode, or else we'll be passed out on the floor. Yeah, no one wants uh, to hear that. Figure out Mountain Brewing Company, Davy Brown Brown Ale. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's getting a little cold outside. It's so for we're... stutterers in your life. <laughs> Davy Brown Brown Ale. <laughs> I don't know. Brown Ale. Brown. No, Davy Brown Brown Ale. Brown. Brown, 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 Oh my God. Anyway. Leave it to these two idiots to make a 30 second skit out of some stupid beer. <laughs> it, oh it's good God. though. Yeah, it's tasty. My name's David Brown at Idle Figueroa Mountain Brewing Company, David Brown Brown Ale. I wanted to call it David Brown Ale, but I decided to put two browns yeah, in there because two browns are better than one. <laughs> There's right, right there. Go Figueroa. Whoa, buddy. All right. That's Once in a Lifetime. That's my number six. Uh, great song. It is a good song. Now, this song, I remember my father playing my number five. This is a country singer born in Brooklyn, New York, mm. raised in East Orange, New Jersey. He started his career as a songwriter. And he wrote a lot of big songs by Willie Nelson, by a lot of big artists. They said that they had 17 number ones as writers and 20 top 10 songs. But anyway, the guy's name is Eddie Rabbit. Oh, yeah. And it's it's on his album Horizon. And this song, I remember my father playing it. And this is one of those songs that I love. And I don't know why I love it. And I love like the the delay and that almost natural delay. And Jake has a phone call real quick. Uh, but almost a natural delay in the guitars, the way they play it. This hit number one. He actually had a chance to have his own TV show. Really? At, at some point, yeah. And he turned it down because he just didn't think that that was right for him. <laughs> it's not worth the gamble is what he said. Wow. And he could have been like another Donnie Marie or something. Not that that's something you should shoot for. No, um, no, no. He became a vocal opponent of rap and pop music lyrics later on that glorified <laughs> sex. And he called uh, Madonna the Pied Piper from hell. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I could get on a soapbox all day for all those greedy people selling soft porn to try to get kids to buy records. Wow. It was, pretty, it was named the best pop male vocalist at the 1981 AMAs. Really? Had another top 10 hit that year, uh, Driving My Life Away. This was his only number one, though. This hit number one across the board, top 100, everything. Like a lot of songs when you write about rain, there's metaphors in it about sadness. And this was no, he just, he was one night, he was raining and he started getting really happy by the rain. I love a rainy night. And the acoustic and the electric marry so well together on this. The vocal hook is so strong. And to this day, when I hear it raining, the song kind of echoes in the back of my mind. And I don't know why. Hmm. When I was nine years old, this song made such an impression on me. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know I have some Eddie Rabbit vinyl, mm-hmm. and I think I only picked it up because I knew, uh, spotted a couple songs I think he wrote for like Johnny Paycheck or something, but I he didn't wrote know. for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know all this uh, about him. I'm intrigued. You wouldn't believe the songs if we start going through his, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. Mm-hmm. This is about 11 Rainy Night. It's not about a, the career of Eddie Rabbit. Right, right. So talented, dude. And he passed away a long time ago. Here we go. Let's listen to Eddie Rabbit 
I Love a Rainy Night off of the Horizon album, my number five. It's like I love to feel the rain on my face, taste the rain on my head. In the moonlight shadow. But the song in this part of mine puts a smile on my face every time. Because I love a rainy night. Yeah, sounds good. Brings you into the room with them. Yeah, I mean, hey, this is a guy who toured with Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. He wrote for Elvis Presley and wow, Ronnie okay. Millsap. And, oh, it's just, dude, it's just, was crazy good. Hmm. So, anyway, enough about Eddie Rabbit. You can ask for an Eddie Rabbit podcast and maybe that'll happen next year. But I doubt it. Because we already <laughs> have our countries kind of set. <laughs> so, anyway, Jake, what's your number five? Moving number five, I have a Pretender song. Nice. I went with Brass in Pocket. Chrissy Hind to me, is female rock and roll some people might argue joan jett or something but uh, i would yeah she i feel like she's more <laughs> punk but i think christy hind just has that kind of like doesn't care just writing rocket songs and brass and pocket it has more of a laid-back vibe almost motown really but then it just has their signature voice that just makes the song for me this is when you think of pretenders this is probably one of the the top three songs you could think of i totally agree in the last podcast i did i went through australian slang and this is kind of funny to have an opportunity in brass and pocket to go through some british slang because some americans when they're listening to brass and pocket they may not understand what the song is actually about even though they understand the words mm. okay got bottle means to have courage in Britishese, even though it's English, it's just different. Yeah. Uh, skank is to move your body from side to side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reet is righteous. Brass is a North English expression for money. And coppers were when coppers were worth something. Yeah. Pulling a girl means finding a companion for the evening. Dexies are dexatrin pills. Oh. You, you know what I'm saying? That Which gives, it's an uppers. Right. Right. That's what that's about. Christy Hines didn't even like the song when they recorded no, it yeah. and came to detest the song. I hated it, she told Cream magazine. It was a phenomenon that evades me completely. I was honestly very disappointed that I had such a big hit and was embarrassed by it. <laughs> so It's so funny how people get like that. Well, and like, also funny because she's the American and the rest of the guys are British. British yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Maybe she Go didn't figure. understand what the words meant. Yeah. <laughs> That would make more sense then. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to Jake's number five, Brass in Pocket by The Pretenders. Gonna use my head. Gonna use my shoulders. Gonna use my knees. Good on the list. Of gonna the, use my toes. I my beard. The head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Yeah. Oh, that's a mashup Thank waiting to happen. Thank you. Wait to. <laughs> you know, my imagination. When she goes, imagination. She just said toes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having fun. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those songs that you it, it fits into this. It, it could have been in the top 12. It shouldn't have been, but it could have been in the top 12 <laughs> songs that you would have put. And it was something I thought about, actually. So, Breast and Pocket, uh, number five. Mm-hmm. So, Jake, what's your number four? All right, this is where I'm afraid you might make fun of me, but... <laughs> 
I'm throwing in some hollow notes here. Oh. And really? I'm not going with maybe what you think I'm going with. I'm going with Kiss on my list. Although you may think. But I think uh, Hall yeah. Notes, I think they're such great songwriting duo, hit writers. I mean, you can't dispute that. This song is catchy as all heck and just another of their smooth hit songs. Sure, it has like a rolling drum machine track throughout the whole song. My sister, yeah, her daughter, who's seven, loves this song. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least I didn't pick You Make My Dreams Come True. Because then I would have had to dance like Carlton throughout the whole thing. You make my dreams. Yeah. I'm trying to rip on it, mm-hmm. but I just sang the words to that song because right. you just mentioned it. It's one of those like the guilty pleasures that you're like, wait, this isn't so guilty. Like Hall Notes, come on. No, I'm I'm with you. And Daryl Hall had an album out this year too, Sacred Songs. Mm-hmm. They're great, uh, great songwriters. I mean, there's a reason why. Well, Daryl Hall is good, and Daryl Hall was offered the job of being the lead singer for Van Halen, which is always interesting. When did that happen? He was offered before Sammy Hagar was offered. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah, be, I can't. You can't now, but you never know. I mean, it's, we couldn't have... They're just so, to me, so different, different yeah. worlds. Wow. But, you know, he does that whole at Daryl's house yeah, thing. True. And, and he plays with he everybody. He brings a lot of different people in, yeah. So, I mean, I saw him playing with... Billy Gibbons was on there. Yeah, and I saw that one. The only reason I watched it was because Billy Gibbons of was course. on there. <laughs> Let's listen to Jake's shockingly high... Uh, number four, his his wife said, you better put that high on your list. Like, I can't put that high on my list. I told you what to do. You have to do it. I think that's that's the conversation that went down. All right. So anyway, here's your kisses on my I list. I bet you I like this song better than she does. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be proud of that. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> Because your kiss, your kiss is on, on my list. Because your kiss. Your no, kiss. it's it's so funny. It's, uh, I was really ripping on that song a little bit, and with good reason to some degree. <laughs> but as the song was playing, I was singing along, and I couldn't help it's myself. It's infectious. I could not help myself. Once you get the H and O, and and it's just amazing to me that I know every lyric to that song, and the uh, subtleties, the little bits of that yeah. pop in, and yeah, it's if you insist, pop. Pop writers, man, they're yeah. it's infectious tunes here. Uh, kisses on my list, although it's inconceivably high at number four. <laughs> inconceivable! <laughs> that I, I totally get it if it's based on infection, and and my number four is not going to be blowing anybody away with the coolness <laughs> of it either. It's one of the songs that I had to put on here. It's by a band called The Romantics. Oh yeah, I almost got this on my list, but I didn't. Like my wife is a massive Romantics fan for some reason. Of course. This song was so pervasive in the 80s like i go to a club i'd hear the song played mm-hmm. wherever i go people love the song and it's very yeah. poppy and it's very happy it's what i like about you by yep. the romantics yep the guitar chord intro into the hand claps which jake loves i do <laughs> the song just makes you move to listen to it there's a harmonica solo which actually jake does love and it just reminds me of college, right? And even though my college was at the end of the 80s, it wasn't at the beginning of the 80s. And the background vocals are really good in this. Mm-hmm. And the drummer's singing. Yeah, the drummer's singing. And that should never happen, by the way. This song was not very popular when it first came out. 
I think their biggest hit was Talking in Your Sleep. I hear the secrets that you keep when oh, you're yeah. talking to my sleep. I like that song. Yeah. But this song became huge when it became part of a Budweiser campaign. And then it just blew up and mm. became number one. And later on, it wasn't just right away. And it became just a fixture at sporting events, bars, nightclub parties. Like I said, you couldn't avoid this. This is like one of the biggest rock anthems of all time. Yep. Or pop rock anthems in, of all time. And an ironic twist, the license of the song for advertising, you know, with Budweiser and whatever, uh, that was really the band's comeback was handled illegally. And the band, they actually had a lawsuit against Budweiser about wow. it and i'm like dude if Budweiser there would have done that nobody would even know you yeah at least know that song it, yeah. it was heavy rotation mtv when mtv launched in 81 just a huge song so you can't avoid it so i had to put it oh, on yeah. hooky as heck this is the one that I, I looked at and kept returning to and was like i gotta fit this in and i didn't i felt guilty about it but it was just like it, it felt like it was so important that it should have been in here so yeah. i agree with you okay but I didn't pick it. So I put Hall Notes instead. <laughs> I know. Come on, brother. Uh, all right. And for me, it still has like a cool little guitar. Hook and like on. I said, the harmonica part, it's, it's yeah. the hand claps in the beginning. It's really good. And we know how Jake likes the harmonica. Legitimately, do. you do. All right. I do. So let's listen to my number four, What I Like About You by The Romantics. That was number four, What I Like About You by The Romantics. Well, my number four, which is really just the number four. <laughs> my number three will be really short and sweet. Okay. My number three is by a band called Motorhead called Ace of Spades, <laughs> which we already talked about. Good, good. Good placement. So, Jake, what is your number three? My number three, I'm curious if this is on yours, but I went with the Scorpions album, Animal Magnetism, and I went with the song The Zoo. I remember hearing this song, like really hearing it in high school, maybe 96, and was like, this is a heavy tune with that kind of chugging guitar. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who it was for a while, but I recorded off the radio and then was surprised when I found out later that it was Scorpions, although it sounds like them. Once you know, you're like, oh yeah, it's Scorps. I have it somewhere recorded still on a tape, kind of thrown away somewhere, and it was just... uh, Really kind of cool standout track to me, so I had to throw it in here. Pretty high on the list. It's very high on the list. Yeah, I, I really like that the talk box guitar that's going on in there too. It's kind of neat. But. It's pretty much about a uh, busy night in New York City, uh, around Forty Second Street area. <laughs> and actually, uh, Bruce Dickinson covered this song on his solo stuff. Just kind of side layer. I'm not a Bruce fan, but I know, but but you should be. Speaking, I almost threw in the uh, Paul Diano Iron Maiden in this list, but I didn't. If you listened to last year with Ralph as a B. Oh, did it get Yeah. 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 Those yeah. first two Maiden albums, I like. The that, rest of it. You and Ralph need to get together because <laughs> he, he that was his. He's oh, like, good. Rob, I might be the only Iron Maiden fan that makes this statement that I'm a Paul Diano fan over Bruce Dickinson. Oh. Yeah, I love Paul Diano. I just like that version of the band yeah, yeah. better. No, no, I get it. Yeah. And. You guys are both wrong, but I get it. (laughs) But anyway, let's listen to the scorpions of animal magnetism. The zoo. Let's listen.
That's the Zoo by the Scorpions. Jake's number three. Three, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good song. I like the song quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I just didn't see it at that high on my list. I can see it anything higher than maybe like say number 20. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I threw, I threw songs against the wall and saw it stuck. No, no, that's not good. I got it. I get it. I just, you know, it's, it's fun to play with you a little bit on that. That's good. All right, Jake, what's your number two? We're going right. to probably match on one of these, I imagine. I wonder. I don't think so, actually. I thought we would have already by now. but Well, we matched on a bunch of stuff. Well, let's yeah. see. Maybe if we're going to, this might be it. Yeah, so number two, I went with Bob Seger. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I went with Against the Wind album, but I went with Her Strut. And specifically... The only album you can come to me with Bob Seger in is Night Moves album. That's the only one you can yeah, come see, to me with. I, I didn't like Bob Seger for the longest time, slowly kind of got on board with the Silver Bullet Band, but I'm still very picky with my songs. But this one, I, I love this song for a long time, actually. It's been it's actually my favorite Bob Seger song. And this is another one that I put on my wife's mixtape when we were dating. I just love that guitar riff and uh, some clever lyrics and play on words like, do respect her butt. They love to watch her strut. Like, he's talking about her butt, obviously, but, you know moving into it it's just it's a good tune i think it's got a good feel like the the guitar tone it's great bob seger's the man yeah yeah <laughs> of the bob seger songs you could have came to me with to be in your it's bottom of, bottom of your top 12 i would have been quite fine with you putting against the wind at number 12 uh number two i'm not quite as fine but that's okay well i could agree with you but then we'd both be wrong <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> All right, let's listen to Against the Wind by... Babs. No, her strut. Her strut? No, we're listening to Against the Wind. That's no. the only good one on the album. No. What are you talking about? It has to be Against the were Wind. Were you no? even listening? Come on. I mean, her strut was inspired by Jane Fonda. I know, but... But it's Jane Fonda. I mean, I mean, I don't like commies either, but... No, but it was Barbarella. This was from her movie. It was like... Okay, her strut... Her strut, a B, a, was that even a single by them? I don't care. <laughs> That's my number two. Play it. Oh, <laughs> Let's just pick random songs for your top three. That's, that's fine. That's Anyone, all good. When they hear strut, they'll be like, like oh, yeah, I know the song. Oh, I love this song. Okay. They'll be like, yeah, listen to that guitar. Okay. It's all about that riff. Okay. No, it's a solid number 12. It is. It's a good tune, number two. 12 minus 10, number two. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's really not a bad song. It's completely you know what? shocking uh, me is really what it is. There's, there's senior like, people and Ralph? there's not it's senior just, people. It's just Ralph here. You guys are probably more than you know get along. Well, we'll do the next podcast with us. I, you know, <laughs> next season, we're going to try and do a couple podcasts. I don't know if we're going to make every podcast with three people. It may be a little more fun. It might be chaotic, but it will be chaotic. It'll be but great. It should be fun. So anyway, her strut number two. So yeah. that means I get to do number two and number one. Thank God. Randy Rhodes. I knew you were going to do this. And Ozzy Osbourne. And uh, by the way, if you want a good audiobook to read, <laughs> there's a book called I'm Ozzy Osbourne. And it's written by Ozzy Osbourne in first person. 
and the person who reads it sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. That's right, you me that. Yeah. So it, it's like you're listening to the whole book as if you're talking to Ozzy. It's, it's crazy. It's Well, speaking of Ozzy, let's just hear from Ozzy for a second. Randy was a, a great guitar player and co-wrote Crazy Train with me. I mean, I think about him a lot still. I often think what he would, where he would be in the, in the picture if he was still around. He was just a great guy. And Ozzy lost Randy Rose, of course, when Randy was buzzing his tour bus and clipped his tour bus. It wasn't him. It was the bus driver, who was also a pilot, who clipped the bus. And Randy actually hated flying, so it was really bizarre that he was even up there. Mm-hmm. And he clipped it, hit the top of the tour bus, knocked the tour bus over, and landed in somebody's house. And they got killed. One of these crazy things. That said, no more Robbie Downer stuff. <laughs> crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne is probably one of the best songs, I think, of the 80s for me, from the metal side. Unlimited Gerbils is Mentally None is one of my favorite <laughs> lyrics. And I never knew what the dude said at the last second of it. whatever and the sound at the end of the studio is the engineer saying an egg through an oscillator why ozzy had asked him what he had for breakfast that morning and he goes an egg and they threw it through an oscillator and it just it's crazy good i love the panning in the beginning of this song it's amazing and the pick scraping into the iconic lick really totally that's a riff that everyone everybody knows right the solo is one of my favorite solos of all time by anybody randy was one of the best guitar players. True, true. You know, he's one of those other people who you can mention, not quite at Eddie Van Halen's level, but right below that. Yeah. Who really made an impression. You know, Steve Ray Vaughan, Randy Rhodes. When they put this album together, there was supposed to be a band called Blizzard of Oz. And then it became Ozzy Osbourne's project. Mm-hmm. And it's through There's... Jet Records and as Sharon's father ran uh, jet records and there you go so then it just became the album name but it was all about ozzy in all fairness obviously you know? yeah and but i mean this, he's on the album cover yeah it's, this is one of the only ozzy osbourne albums you'll find that he actually gives credit to the people who played it besides him hmm. and that changed later on when he's just like paying people to play on his album right it's his name this was my real introduction to metal and metal that's what, metal that's metal. what so many friends tell me especially my guitar playing friends yeah. and i get it randy rhodes is like you can listen to the dude you, know, you gotta pay yeah. attention to this guy anyway let's listen to the number two song of 1980 which jake somehow didn't even have on his list i did he was torn between that, that and hall and oats <laughs> come uh, on <laughs> makes sense to me your kiss is on my list of crazy train <laughs> all right let's listen to the number two song of 1980 crazy train by ozzy osbourne off the blizzard of oz album let's listen Mental wounds still healing. <laughs> Who and what's to blame? I'm going after the rails on the crazy, crazy train. train. Yeah. I kind of miss uh, 
William Shatner is very nice. <laughs> I don't know if he ever actually did that. Pat Boone covered it. <laughs> yeah, he had a metal album. I remember that. That was so ridiculous. Metal in quotes. Oh my goodness. Oh my. All right. Let me just end this. 1980 for me was Lizard of Oz and this other album that you talked about before, but not the same song. Uh, ACDC, my number mm. one, uh, Back in Black off of the album Back in Black. It was torn between those two songs. Mm-hmm. That yeah. album is one of the most phenomenal albums straight through. There's not one bad song on that album. Not many songs are recognizable by just the count in. Chord doesn't have to hit. It's just like counted. Yeah. And obviously the chords and the licks. And Good the, point. Brian Johnson just had a vocal attack like Bon Scott, but kind of oh, even fuller. Than Bon ever was. Bon had a little bit higher rasp. Mm-hmm. Brian just really did it. The solo is amazing in this song. I love the second solo after Brian Johnson sings. Out of sight. It's just, ah, oh, yeah. Sign me up. Quick little moments just to make that solo. And this is like five months after Bon Scott died that they came out with this album. And this song is a tribute to Bon Scott, as the album is. Some of the lyrics behind it, Forget the hurts because I'll never die, implying that he'll live on through his music to bring in some guy who was he was working as a windshield fitter after he was with this band called gordy for a while their best album ever after a major singer died you know this is so impactful i mean kurt cobain on his 14th birthday was given a guitar and the first song he learned how to play was back in black just if you think about the impact it had on music not even through them Mm -hmm. Through this song, but just that song had on other people. To come back after, like you said, the tragedy of this singer, like the sound of of your band, and then to do almost better than you did before. It's a lottery there. So let's listen to Back in Black, ACDC, my number one. Wait, hold on a minute. I'm rethinking this. Maybe I should put Kisses on my list by Hall and Oates is number one. I knew it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm kidding. All right. Let's go to Back in Black by ACDC. Uh, <laughs> got excited. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's hard for me to stop listening to that one. I agree. It's one of those tunes. It just starts and you're rocking out. It's a, a rifle position here. Okay, Jake. What song's better than Back in Black? <laughs> well, yeah. What do you say that way? What's your number one? Again, I'm a Waylon Jennings fan. He had an album come out called Music Man. And I thought what was special to me, again, considering I'm you know an 80s boy, okay. I went with the Dukes of Hazard, the good old boys okay. tune. Because it, it's a great album all around, not just that song, but this song is special. I mean, who doesn't know it? It's a quick, like, two-minute song, I think. But, but I was a huge fan of the show, huge fan of Waylon, and so this song found its way to my number one. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's cool. You're better than Back in Black. <laughs> it's like, look, if you go, if you turn on America's Got Talent, there's a band, or like, there's music, and then there's a, a dance act, and then there's a magician act. It's like, how do you compare all these people? They're all uh, talented. And this Trust is just... me, if you would play this on national TV, in all fairness, you probably would not be allowed to play this song live anymore. So <laughs> good, good, good for you. Yeah. Anything more before we roll into your number one? Everyone the best knows song of 1980? 
Flash. You and me'll just hide here in the patrol car behind this billboard sign and ambush the General Lee on the way to the race. Ooh, 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 ooh. There, there, there they go. Move over, move over, Flash, so I can drive. <laughs> there's no boss hog, there's none of that. It's all Wayland. <laughs> Well, and he does the whole the whole bit. Well, the Duke boys got some There's trouble some... today. They were running down the road, and the next thing you knew, sure, yeah, he does the ballad or the narrating part. But there's some clever lyrics here. He even talks about himself, you know, about his mama wants to know why they keep showing his hands and not his face on TV. It's it's uh, Waylon being clever with his lyrics and uh, singing. He could sing the phone book to you, and it sounds amazing. and Troy Smith, wherever you are. We had two songs in the top 12 from both of us that were country and completely different genres of country. And I almost threw in that George Jones, He Stopped Loving Her Today, that almost made my list. All right. Let's listen to the best song of 1980, bar none. The best song, way better than Back in Black and Crazy Train. Let's listen to the theme from the TV show Dukes of Hazzard. I'm glad you're uh, having a good time here. Oh, I am. I'm just a slightly bit. It's so funny because we never give us ourselves any crap. If you take it away from the, if it's not a theme and just a, a tune, but what makes it cooler is that it's a theme to the coolest show. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I got it. <laughs> well, it gave us Daisy Duke, and everybody's thankful for that. All right, let's listen to the theme from Dukes of Hazard, the best song of 1980, according to Jake. There we go. Doop, doop, doop. We made it through. Go get them, Good damn Duke boys. Yeah. This is great. I mean, 1980, we got through, and we had some difference of opinions at the top of the chart. I had a feeling. Uh, but there was a lot that we matched on. You know, we had Ace of Spades. We had Whip It. Mm-hmm. And, okay, that was it. No, no, no. All good. All good. No, you had some good songs on there. Yeah, I did. You, you did. You did. You have to tell me that. Barely. <laughs> All right, uh, let, let's run through our, instead of talking about the songs we missed and all that stuff, let's not even, let's just skip that today. Uh, let's go through our top 12. I'll run through my 12, uh, plus song I know, my 13, I guess. Hmm. And then you'll do yours right after that. So my number 13 was One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head. My number 12 was Jake's favorite song of all time by Blondie called Rapture. My number 11 was Whip It by Devo. Number 10 was Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Number nine was Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Number eight, And the Cradle Will Rock by Van Halen. Number seven, Spirit of the Radio by Rush. Number six, Once in a Lifetime by The Talking Heads. Number five, I Love a Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit. Number four, What I Like About You by The Romantics. Number three, Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Number two, Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. And number one, Back in Black by ACDC. So, Jake? Song a note. I went with Dead Kennedys, California, Uber Alice. Then, uh, number 12, Could You Be Loved by Bob Marley. Went into Hey 19 by Silly Dan for number 11. Number 10 is Whip It by Devo. Number 9 is Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Number 8 is Living After Midnight by Judas Priest. 
Seven is Everybody Needs Somebody to Love by the Great Blues Brothers. A six is You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. Number five is Brass in Pocket by The Pretenders. Number four is Kiss on My List by The Mighty Hollow Notes. <laughs> Number three, The Zoo by The Scorpions. Number two, Her Strut by Bob Seger and his Silver Bullet Band. And number one, Dukes of Hazard, Good Old Boys Song by Waylon Jennings, number one. This is fun. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a great. I gave you a little crap, but actually it was a really, really fun episode. I love the, the kind of diversity of what we came uh-huh. through. And we, and we still had a couple that we matched on. And I really appreciate everybody who's made it to this point in the podcast. It's just awesome. And you guys are great. And I, I every day we hear from you on Facebook, it's just, it's amazing that you guys are coming through on suggestions and leading us to where we need to be next season and just being you know a community and that's what we really were looking for the entire time and thank you for being there we will see you guys soon and uh two weeks we're going to have the wrap up for the whole 80s which is going to be great so see you soon god bless